0: AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at reproduction. And by propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Even with a fresh dose of demand for soft red winter wheat... That market gave up mid-morning gains, and but it did find a way to hold on to slight gains through the close. That allowed corn to trade to the downside and for soybeans to rebuild downside momentum. Sellers again flooded the cattle complex, while lean hog futures,
1: eh, they just hung out near unchanged. Live from the very pinnacle of hump day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is Talk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Sean Hackett from Hackett Financial Advisors, and directly following the news, Todd Bubba Horwitz from BubbaTrading.com. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now, welcome your benevolent host, Chip Laurie. All right, Davis, thank you so much.
0: Gorgeous. 46 degrees out here. Mm. Sun is
1: shining. That sounds real nice. Sounds like the kind of weather where it makes a bug glad to be alive
0: see okay there you go there you Mm -hmm. go so i was mentioning to davis before the show started that i don't know what it is i'm not that good at identifying bugs but when we get days like this even in december here it is december 6th, 46 degrees a little bit of sunshine and and i get a bug hatch
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: i don't know what they are i'm gonna have to catch one
1: well what kind did you plant
0: i didn't plant them See, you didn't? That's so these the are volunteer bugs. Volunteers. Yeah, they might be weeds. We don't know.
1: Well, now that volunteering spirit is what makes America great, Chip.
0: <laughs> it is. I get that. But I'm going to have to catch some of these bugs and <laughs> stick them in a baggie and send them off to somebody to identify them for Sure.
1: One minute because... we got you, we got you laying in the prairie grass with the honeybees, and now you're out there chasing yeah. bugs with a butterfly net?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's me. Yeah. That's me.
1: <laughs> this show should be on TV. <laughs> oh no. no.
0: Absolutely not. People would watch that. Oh I uh, yeah, they I'm sure they would, Davis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they would. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, seriously, Chip, we're laughing with you. <laughs> Welcome to Agri Talk. I'm Chip. That is Davis. Hello. Looking forward to the conversation with Sean Hackett from Hackett Financial Advisors. Dude, we have got it. Might be the widest ranging list of topics that I want to cover with Sean uh, that that I've ever had for a guest. On the okay, show. so I'm I think he's up for the challenge. To yeah, I, he's great. I'm sure he is. And uh, of course, we got Bubba coming up right after the news. So let's go ahead and get mm-hmm. started.
1: Well, Chip USDA this morning announced the sale of 372,000 metric tons of U.S. soft red winter wheat for delivery to China in the current marketing year. Daily export sales of SRW to China this week stands at 1.01 million metric tons. Wow. March SRW futures traded near steady in the overnight and shot sharply higher into within a half a penny of resistance at 650 before profit taking erased most of the gains. March SRW did close higher and did close above the opening range to extend that streak to seven consecutive sessions chip. Yeah. March hard red winter wheat futures followed SRW to the upside and then led the way to the downside and closed below the opening range for the first time in six sessions. March HRW wheat futures six and three quarter cents lower, 656. March SRW wheat up two and a quarter, 633 and a half. March spring wheat closed at seven thirty and a half, down eight and one half cents. Chip, run it up and then bat it back down.
0: Yeah, that's what happened in the HRW for sure. Well, in the SRW as well, closed well off-session highs. Mm -hmm. Uh, But boy, the ability of the March SRW to close above the the opening range, Mm -hmm. that's important. That keeps the momentum pointed to the upside.
1: Ethanol production in the weekend of December 1 averaged 1.076 million barrels per day. That's up 65,000 from the previous week. It's the highest since the week of July 21st, Chip. Ethanol stocks inched upward just 60,000 barrels in the week to 21.44 billion barrels. After five consecutive higher closes, March corn opened slightly lower, followed the mid-morning rally in wheat, then fell back to test support at Tuesday's low and to close near session lows. Traders continue to watch weather developments in Brazil to adjust Safrina corn crop expectations. March corn futures were six and a quarter lower, 84 and one quarter. May corn down six and a quarter to 495 and three quarters. July corn futures closed at five oh four. That's down six and one quarter cents, Chip.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, good ethanol production week. Now it, we had a typo in the in the news there. It's million Uh-oh. barrels, twenty one point four four million barrels on the stocks oh. rather than yep. billion. I should have caught that. But that's, way no, too that's many barrels. Yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of ethanol. There's no question about it. But that. the trends are going in the right direction on the production yes. side. The margins are holding in.
1: USDA this morning announced a sale of 136,000 metric tons of U.S. soybeans for delivery to China in the current marketing year. Despite this week's demand for beans and for bean meal, soybean prices closed lower for a fifth consecutive session. Today's close in January beans was near session lows, below the October 25 low, and was the first close below 13 bucks since October 11. January soybean meal opened slightly higher, spiked resistance at 420. Then return to test support at yesterday's low of 4.0650. Monday's low at 4.0630 has become an important support level. January beans a dime lower, 12.95 and a half. March beans down 11, 13.15 and one half. May beans closed to 13.30. That's down 12 and a half, Chip.
0: Yeah, take note that critical support in January meal is just 20 cents below
1: today's low. Oof. Well, March cotton was seven points higher, 79.75. (laughs) <laughs> on the livestock's heavyweight choice graded box, beef futures fell $2.31 this morning in the cash market showing signs of weakness. Uh, triggered some aggressive selling in the cattle complex after mid-morning Feb hog or uh, Feb cattle plunged five dollars forty two and a half to one sixty-three fifty-five. January feeders down four fifty-five to ten fifteen. And on the snout side, February hogs, a nickel lower, sixty-nine thirty. April contract down $15.75.95. Chip.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Todd Horwitz BubbaTrading.com. Uh, how's the golf game treating you there, Bubba?
2: Very good. I'm on TPC, baby. I just proxed the eighth nice. hole, getting ready to putt for a birdie, but I'm talking to you first.
0: Fantastic. Good luck with that birdie putt. You know, I, I, I got the faith in you, man. I think you got it nailed. What do you like in the markets?
2: I like the grain markets, and I don't like cattle, which is kind of what we're seeing. Uh, you know, we've got this overall, you know, the economy's in very, very bad shape. Okay, so, you know, who's going to be able to afford to eat beef, uh, you know, steak? Yeah, they're going to buy hogs if they're going to do anything right now. And at the end of the day, I think grains look fine. I mean, listen, end of the day, it's very quiet. Markets suck. But we've had some a little bit of pullback after a, a reasonable rally. So I think they look pretty good. I'm on the blue now, side, now, that's for sure. A,
0: you've been on the red side of cattle for a while. you And you still want to be there?
2: I'm not... I think cattle's got another five six percent lower before before Ooh. it comes out. Ooh, that's so, I, I, listen. Remember when markets get way overbought on news, which is what they got overbought on, right? It was a shortage, and they pushed them up to all time highs and kept pushing. Well, what's going to happen is too many people are long, and they're going to be forced to get out. So you get forced liquidations. Yep. And yeah. I don't think I don't think they're done yet.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. How do you like how quickly we've gone from uh, one more rate hike fine. Hike to high enough for long enough to look out. We got a rate cut coming in March.
2: Hey, listen, it's all BS, Chip. The the ground pilot talks with, uh, out of both sides of the mouth. He's got no clue what's going on. He doesn't understand the free market, and he's continuing with his nonsense. There's no way they're going to be able to cut rates at the current debt structure and where we are. And plus the fact that we now have to put out more bonds to finance our debt. But, yeah, so that's gotcha. that's a problem.
0: Gotcha. All right. Good luck out there, buddy. We'll talk to you next week.
2: Hey, thanks, baby. I'll see you. Have a good day. I'll see you next Monday.
0: All right. Sounds good. Davis, I'm giving two to one on Bubba making that birdie bud.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll give you three to one.
0: Oh, yeah. jeez. Let's do this. Up in the odds. Up in the odds.
1: It's Vegas, baby. All
0: right. Stay tuned, everybody. Uh, We are going to get deep into the weeds in a conversation with Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors.
3: Next.
1: I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. I'm going to second that handsome young man's motion here. Chip is going absolutely bananas over here. He can't focus on agri-talk. Why? Because of the because of the dang bugs. They float the by. Bugs. I just heard him. He's strategizing. Now, if I stand up on the thing, no, that <laughs> seems dangerous. The guys, he's not. Uh, we have to figure this out. If you know anything about this bug hatch outside of Chip Flory's window, why don't you give us a call? Help us out. Let's work through this. Chip, over I, to you.
0: That's, that's my plea that, to
1: Planet Earth.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you
1: so much. <laughs> well, when you're building strategies to catch bugs, you know, as your friend, as your coworker, I gotta
3: look out for you, buddy.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna mm. get one. I, I I gotta get Of course get one. you will. Of course
1: you will. You're the best right. bug catcher there is. <laughs> Shut
0: up. <laughs> All right, let's bring in Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors. <laughs> Sean, it is great to talk with you again. How are you?
5: I'm good. I'm, I'm out. It sounds like you guys are having so much fun. I wish I was there. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: well, it's it's uh, yeah. We've had a little entomology discussion here on the show so far today and i'm just trying to figure out what kind of a bug hatches when it's 46 degrees
5: Mm, well i'm not sure that's my area of expertise but i'll try i'll I'll do my best
0: (laughs) (laughs) well let's get into it let's get into it you know sean when, when i get uh uh guest analysts on and we talk about the situation down in brazil uh there there are some that go directly to soybeans and the impact on soybeans and the potential impact on the soybean market. There are others that go directly to corn and the the impact on the corn market. And yesterday, Brian Grady, uh, editor at Pro Farmer, was on the show, and he's a corn guy. He thinks it's a corn story. What are you thinking?
5: I absolutely 100% agree it's a corn story. When we look at hot, dry, uh Starts to the planting season like this. Um, we have to remember soybeans are half in the north, half in the south, mm-hmm. um, whereas corn is seventy-five percent in the north, twenty-five percent in the south. Mm-hmm. And when we look at this pattern of late soybean plantings, which means late second crop corn plantings, we've seen corn production down twenty to thirty percent in past years when we've had this setup in soybeans it's tended to be more like 5% to 10% down, which by the way, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's not impactful, but it's not the same impact to being down 20 to 30%. So when I look at the situation, I believe the bigger story here is what this means for corn and tightening up the corn balance sheet, which is at the moment definitely more adequate than is the soybean market right now.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's it's a corn story for a couple of reasons. Number one, yield. But number two, we can't forget the impact on acres, right?
5: No question that if you get late planting corn and second crop and you're planting in dry soils, which we would be doing, you're not only going to have lower yields on the acres you do get plant, but we always have a significant reduction in corn acres because of that. We were already expecting acres to be down to begin with. So when I, when you throw all that into the mix, you know, it says that we could have a a very significant, I mean, it was just a few years back, uh, you know, that we had corn production down north of 20% on a very Mm -hmm. similar situation. So when I look at that and I say, what does that mean for corn exports out of Brazil next crop cycle? Mm -hmm. It means they're going to be way, way off and all that lost business that we didn't get this year, we get back and boy, would that change the dynamics Yep. of the US corn export supply demand situation.
0: It, I'm I'm with you there man because if if Brazil had not taken advantage of their situation and built up their market share on corn exports <clears throat> the potential for some lost production, yeah, it would be important, but now the market's got to be super sensitive to any lost bushels because it it's got to translate into a transfer of demand back to the US, doesn't it?
5: Absolutely and if the market yeah. starts running their balance sheets with larger corn exports, now we have to have a big crop. We have not had a trendline crop in several years and I don't think we're going to have one again based upon La Nina coming back, especially yeah. for the back half of the growing cycle. it says to me we're not going to have another you know we're not going to have a trend line yield crop again. And that becomes very problematic if Brazil's not into the picture.
0: Okay, we're going to talk more about the, those thoughts on the 24 crop up here in the U.S. here in just a little bit. Uh, but but first, I boy, I tell you what, Hackett, talk about snapping out of a long, drawn-out downtrend and ex- trying to accelerate to the upside. This wheat market and the performance in there has really been something. When we put that low in on November 27th, I said, listen, you know what? You can't, there's no way of knowing if today was the low or not. Uh, And actually it was the trade on November 28th that made us think, hey, this could be it. Uh, My comment was, "Eh, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if we don't go back down and test that low before it takes off. Well, we did not go back down and test that low, never looked at it again and here we are, sharply above it. Demand's got something to do with that as well.
5: Yeah, we've seen some very significant increase in demand. We're seeing Russia making more and more overtures that they're going to be pulling back from exports, which has been the big, you know, linchpin for the bears for a long, long time. We're seeing flooding uh, problems in Europe, flooding problems in Russia. Um, you know, record coal coming into winter wheat areas of uh, China. I mean, we're just just. Everything's adding up that we've gotten ourselves too far to the downside, just like we got ourselves too far to the upside Mm. several years ago when we initially had the Russia invasion of Ukraine. You know, the bigger the bear, the bigger the bull, the bigger the bear. But Mm. now I believe we need to have some kind of a revaluation to correctly ascertain. Because without Russia, supply, demand, ending stocks and exporter hands is at 35 year lows.
0: Right, right. OK, uh, the uh, El Nino and the the influence on weather around the, the world, it's having some impacts. Uh, you already mentioned some where there there are some flooding conditions, but it does seem to be taking some bites out of the global wheat crop, isn't it?
5: One after another, we're seeing yeah. these extreme weather episodes clip clip and we already went into the season Chip, with uh crop ratings or crop quality conditions not very good to begin with and now we're throwing a whole bunch of unfavorable you know flooding on top of it um Mm -hmm. and if i'm correct about a pretty cold winter for the northern hemisphere starting late december you know through march you know we now could have the additive issue of pork conditions with frost risk, which are always greater when the crop's not in the best of condition. One of the big things we see coming, Chip, and this is something new, we haven't talked about on your show before, but all our cycles and statistics are lining up for the first really high probability for a late freeze in the U.S. in this first half of May in the mid-May timeframe that could add an additional problem to post dormancy winter wheat. We think that could be a very, very big weather story. That's not normally something we talk about, but we think the probability this year is about as high as we've seen in several decades.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, let's go back to what you said about late December into March, cold winter. Uh, I, I see the way that the jet stream is set up right now. And all I can think is that it's like acting like a siphon for that polar vortex to open up and send some cold temperatures down to us is that what you're seeing
5: it is remember we talked about on your show last time about the el nino modicai structure which is about to get triggered within days we're just about ready to trigger that that does set off this undulating jet stream that causes the polar vortex to weaken we currently are in a an initial stratospheric warming event where you get this sudden warming of the atmosphere and a more strong uh event is it going to take place later in the month, when you get this destabilization of the polar vortex, it causes or allows these winters to really get going. And so we're expecting this combination to really deliver on a late starting winter, but a very formal winter. Remember last year it was record warm in both the U.S. and in Europe. We're not likely to see that. Already in Eastern Europe they've had record cold temperatures. When I look at natural gas, when I look mm-hmm. at Heating oil prices right now, you know, getting completely obliterated to the downside. Boy, do I think there's an opportunity for physical buyers to lock in some economic advantage here before the, you know, before we turn the cycle the other way on um, this winter.
0: Okay, all right. Uh, we are in the middle of a conversation with Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors. I want to talk more about the energy markets and how that might impact the fertilizer markets into early 24 you mentioned that return of la niña in for the second half of the 24 season i got to hear more about that what the impacts might be from that okay we're talking with sean hackett hackett financial advisors here on agritalk
1: Let's go to the markets page at ProFarmer.com and check today's closes. Where March HRW wheat futures were six and three quarter cents lower, six fifty-six. March SRW wheat up two and a quarter to six thirty-three and one half. March corn futures were six and one quarter cents lower today, four eighty-four and one quarter. May corn down six and one quarter cents to four ninety-five and three quarter. January soybean futures, a dime lower, 12.95 and a half. March beans down 11 cents, 13.15 and one half. Hey, March cotton was seven points higher, 79.75. On your livestock's February fat cattle plunged, 5 dollars forty two and a half and a half to close at 163.55. Jan feeders down 455 at 210.15. And I've got February lean hog futures a nickel lower today, 69.30. Hey, get more market news every single market day. Go to TryProFarmer.com.
4: To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use.
3: From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to five thousand dollars towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com/farmincentive to see if you're eligible.
1: Oh. Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know? Keep your hands off my bitcoins, girl. Keep your hands off my bitcoins. <laughs>
0: uh. Welcome back to Agritalk. I am Chip. That is Davis, and we are having a conversation. Girl. With huh? Sean Hackett oh. from Hackett Financial Advisors. What did I hear? What did I miss? Huh? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Nothing? No. Okay. No. All right. Sean, you were talking about energy prices in Europe. And haven't they done a nice job of building up stocks going into the winter?
5: They have, but remember, last year they had the warmest winter, I believe, in something like 30 or 40 years. It was yeah. ridiculous. Um, and if, if they just go back to a normal or even a colder than normal winter, the amount of demand differential between this year and next is so large that the drawdown we're going to see, even though they've topped themselves out, is going to get the market at a level that's going to start concerning the market going forward as we move to the fall. You know, natural gas are always looking out ahead and looking at demand versus supply. Yeah. And when I look at all this, the U.S., and Europe is going to get themselves down to levels that are probably going to be hard to rebuild come next year's winter cycle to the same levels.
0: Well, this natural gas market has just kind of been dead money here for a while. What it, 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 do, do you see a rally coming in that market? Boy, today was a big down day. Good grief. What do you yeah, see had happening to up, here?
5: Yeah, we've had to give up trade in natural gas over the last week, week and a half on this warm weather going into middle of December, something we've warned about many months ago was likely to be the case. And we're trading at near the same prices we were during COVID year, by the way, if you can believe that. Wow. Um, but nonetheless, we think winter's going to come back with a vengeance and drawdowns are going to come back with a vengeance. And when it does, all these bearish traders that are in the you know, natural gas market all at the same time are going to quickly turn tail. And we, uh, we believe that's why this is such a good physical buying opportunity for those that have a long-term horizon to lock in a price that we think is very temporary on a short-term warm pattern here in the mid-December.
0: Okay, so buy some natural gas. What about the influence on fertilizer?
5: Well, once again, we think with fertilizer prices are going to follow these natural gas prices, propane prices. We think buying nitrogen-based fertilizers, diesel Natural gas and propane, all of the above, should be locked in more aggressively by physical traders who are looking to get long-term economic advantage on these inputs. We think this is the golden opportunity to do just that. Wow.
0: Okay. Okay. This all sounds very inflationary to me again, Sean.
5: Well, when we're looking out ahead to 24, we are getting in the situation where the economy appears to be heading into a recession of some sort we're seeing lots and lots of economic weakness the fed is going to start lowering rates um and the u.s dollar which has been our long-standing forecast is going to really start to get a strong negative bear trend going in place in 24 remember we've been battling a strong dollar all of the last year year and a half we think that that is going to create a currency related inflationary tailwind going forward into 24 and if we can throw in um some weather anomalies along with some uh, Fed easing and some better economic conditions in the back half of 24, that's how you get a reflation cycle going in commodities. Remember, commodities lead inflation up and they lead inflation down. Mm-hmm. So this would be a perfect time for the commodities to start working themselves back up again for the next inflation style backup. So I agree that's where we're heading after a almost a year and a half decline in commodities. Okay.
0: Fed meeting next week, what are they going to do?
5: I mean, they're certainly going to sit tight, but okay. I think they're going to start making some overtures. Not only that are they done raising rates, but that they're going to start throwing some overtures that maybe a higher for longer, maybe higher for not as much, not as long. Okay. Meaning I okay. think they're going to start shifting towards the idea that they're going to start considering lowering rates sooner already. When you look at the probability futures curve of when the market's expecting rate cuts to to potentially occur, they're now starting to focus on the month of March Mm -hmm. already. We've seen 10-year yields drop almost one full percentage point down from where they were in just the last three or four weeks. Things are changing in interest rate land and in the Fed land, and that is actually uh, a very positive liquidity sign for commodities in 24. 4.118%
0: right now on the 10-year, Sean.
5: It's been a big, big knockdown. I mean, a huge knockdown. Unbelievable. There's no way the Fed funds rate is staying in the fives with what just happened with the 10-year and with the 30-year. Not a chance, in our view, not a chance. Okay. Okay.
0: You know, usually when we see cuts in interest rates by the Fed, it's because the overall economy needs a spark. It's not just because okay everything is stabilized we can cut rates. It's usually because it needs a spark. Is that do you see the economy struggling that much by by the time we get to the end of the first quarter of next year?
5: Absolutely. 100% believe that's going to be wow. the case. We're already seeing we're seeing the numbers unraveling. The most important thing to watch is the jobs. We've been job openings collapsing here in the last latest readings. A lot of the jobs numbers we get from the private sector showing a significant acceleration of joblessness. That's always the last lagging metric to show up. But when that shows up, that has a dramatic impact on consumer spending and on the economy. And that's where I think we're at right now and why the Fed's going to be very quick to try to avoid something more sinister. A soft landing is fine, a hard landing in an election year. Probably not good for their job preservation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, any other bi- – I want to go back to the weather, and we're going to go back to the weather. But any other big picture items? You mentioned that dollar into a downtrend. I, I mean, are, under par, obviously, I would assume you're thinking.
5: Oh, a whole lot more than that. I mean, we're oh, talking really? about major, major – Oh, Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about a major bear trend in the 24, 25. I mean, when you look at bear trends in the dollar, when it really rolls over, uh, Chip, you know, we're not talking about, you know, five or 10 points down. We're talking about something like 20 or 30 points down like it did in the 2000s, like it did in the 1970s. You know, we're talking about a serious devaluation where we've gotten ourselves here with the, in the U.S. with our finances is going to require um, the kind of money printing that's going to scare those that are, have been using the dollar as a store of value, as the reserve mm-hmm. currency. And with 70% of all the money tied up in that reserve currency, there's only one way that that goes. It goes from people owning a little less. And that's how you get the U.S. dollar loss of confidence, weaker dollar going in a situation like this. Wow. Okay. Whew.
0: <laughs> um, okay, let's get back to the weather. We, we are in this Modoki El Nino and you are talking about a return to La Nina by the middle of the U S growing season. Is that what I heard you say earlier?
5: Yes. When we look at the El Nino in uh, the Modoki form, we also have to look what's going on in the atmosphere. The sea surface temperature for one thing, and that's how people measure El Nino, La yeah. Nina, that sort of thing. But the atmosphere is only acting like a borderline weak El Nino, meaning We're not getting a strong El Nino effect in the atmosphere like we did in 2015-16, like we did in 2009, like we did in 1997. It's very, very marginal, which means it doesn't take a whole lot of weakness of El Nino to get yourself right back into the La La Nina weather Mm -hmm. picture. Right now, our best guess is that at minimum, we're going to see La Nina arrive by the middle of our growing season. And we know when La Nina comes back, it means... Hot, dry weather, especially for the central west grain belt and in the right. northern plains grain belt. And that's what we feel is set up for the back half of the year for 24. The first half, it could go either way. El Nino may hang on long enough to provide a better start to the growing season. That's what we're going to go with right now. But if we see that the atmosphere is kicking into La Nina sooner, you know we may – actually get a little more excited not excited but a little more aggressive with a landing arriving sooner but right now mid growing season is a solid forecast and what that means chip is that we're not likely to be able to produce once again a trendline corn soybean crop it's just okay. we're not going to be able to do it doesn't mean a disaster like the last few years but it means low the mid 170s corn upper 40s beans and in and if Brazil is going to come up short on their grain production, especially mm-hmm. corn. That's not going to cut it, according to us.
0: Okay. So a couple of minutes, a minute and a half left here, Sean. What's it all mean for your grain marketing and, and risk management?
5: Well, when we're looking at opportunities for grain, mar- uh, grain producers to sell, we think we're going to get a great opportunity here on uh, the Brazilian drought continuing on into the spring, especially for corn. There's going to be a great opportunity to do something smart there. And we're going to be looking for a late freeze in the, su- in the spring for the U.S. to get an, a marketing opportunity for winter wheat. As we just discussed, we think that market has turned up for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be looking for disappointing crops, especially in the back half of the year, to give ourselves a great opportunity to sell soybeans. So we kind of partition each crop based upon where we think the cycles are going to create some exciting upside for opportunities for producers to look for windows to get more, bring more money home on the farm.
0: All right. All right. I don't have time to ask this question, but I'll ask you to send me an email on it, Sean. And that is a quick summary on the solar flare cycle and what it might mean for the weather in 2024. And as it leads into 2025. Okay.
5: I'll definitely respond and give you a good, a good, uh, good work on that. We do a lot of work with that. definitely will do that. Thank you so much, Chip. Thanks.
0: Yeah, you bet, Sean. Merry Christmas to you, my friend. We'll talk with you again soon.
5: Thanks, Chip. Merry Christmas to you, and God bless you and all the people watching your show.
0: Excellent. Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors. Sean will send that to me, and when he does, we will spend a segment four on that because I think it's something that uh, we need to pay attention to as we get into 24 and 25. Davis and I will be right back.
1: If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk, everyone. Very, very pleased and glad that you've decided to spend some time with us today. Sean Hackett, always a good guest. Always a good oh, conversation. Yeah. Um, I went ahead and uh, got all scientifical on you, buddy. I think I got an answer uh, for you. Okay. I went to the uh, to the Google maker, okay? Yeah, uh, and I typed in your question. Oh. Yeah. What kind of bug hatches at 46 degrees in Iowa? Okay. And here's the response found in almost any water temperature above 32 degrees, but at around 42 degrees, expect to see the first significant consistent hatch of the year. These hatch year round and are very often a trout's primary food source, Chip. That's what they look like. Food source.
0: That's what uh-huh. they look like, yeah. They, they they look like fish food.
1: Mm-hmm. There's so, a name. Midges. What is it? These are midges.
0: midges. It, it's just simply a midge? It's a That's midge. That's all it is?
1: Yep, yep.
0: Not to be confused with Marge. We love Not Marge. Not at all.
1: No, no, no Marge is much... No, there's a midge much, right there. Yeah. And it's much smaller than Marge. As you recall, Marge was yeah. big.
0: Yeah. Well, it's big What's as it? a animated character can get, I guess, but yeah. It's pretty big. Yeah, it's pretty big. true. Yeah. but true. it could
1: also be dragonflies, mayflies, or stoneflies. So wow, we don't know. I don't. I don't know that we're any closer or not. It's fish food. It's fish food. It's definitely it's fish, fish food. It's fish food. Nope. love it. Yep. Nope. Um, Bubba likes the grains. He's on the blue side and he's yeah. on the red side on the uh, the cattle, especially. And wants um, to stay there. Yeah, that's that's the significant mm-hmm. <laughs> element of this here. He wants to stay
0: there. Yeah. Um, Boy, the volatility that has come into the cattle complex, and we talked about it with Brian Grady yesterday, but the volatility that's in that cattle complex, man, oh, man, unless I'm writing, you know, a a risk management position, in other words, a position offsetting risk that I've got in the cash market, which I don't, um, I'm out, (laughs) I am yeah. out of that cattle complex right now. I don't want. I wouldn't want anything to do with it, Davis.
4: <clears throat> and I blame think you. that.
0: And I think that's part of the problem. I, I, you know, when when vol when volume goes down, volatility can easily go up, and I think that's what we are experiencing.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, a lot of conversation around the weather there, and. Mm-hmm. To to sort of start with a broad view of it, it's it's all about the timing with Sean, isn't it? I mean, I've got oh, notes yeah. here on late planted corn. I could, you know, we got a significant potential impact on corn acreage from the plant date, yep. uh, all kinds of stuff here. Um, oh, dude. Yeah. It, and, but here's the thing if he had been
0: wildly wrong on the timing on some of his other weather outlook conversations that we've had, Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't be having conversations with Mr. Hackett.
1: Right. At least not about the weather. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) Right. But the reality of the situation is that in the spring of 2023, he was about the only one that was saying, hey, look out. You know, this doesn't feel right, and here's why. And he laid it out for us. And he said there are some areas that will have the driest growing season that they've had. Well, I'll go ahead and raise my hand for that. Yep. Okay. We still had a crop. I don't know how. Uh, we talked with with uh, Randy Francis, who is eh, I call it six. Eh, so yeah, maybe sixty miles east of me. Uh, he was right on the edge of of where it got really dry, uh, and he had uh, he had uh, yields, you know, five to ten percent. Under his APH, he was very happy with that this year mm-hmm. and and should be and, and should be. Now, and there
5: are
0: <laughs> there there are producers in my immediate area that had some really, really good corn. It wasn't all that way. But I mean, Davis, um, you know, it was APH plus plus. Mm hmm. On some of the yields in this area that was really dry, and it's it it's come down to genetics, it's come down to management, it has come down to uh,
1: yeah. Um, Excuse me.
0: Yeah, it it has come down to getting that one rain at just the right time. Yes. To make a crop.
1: Yep, that's exactly right. Um, Real quickly, uh, because we do want to get to this weather here, but he was talking about buying diesel. I mean, he's talking about energy prices, yeah. and I don't think he – did he use the word diesel? Maybe he did. I don't know. I was so busy he was writing now. talking
0: mostly about natty gas.
1: Just natty gas, but, but energy is under pressure here. Right, and, uh, right. Normally we see – you know, it's interesting. If he's talking about a surge in demand for heating oil late in December, we usually call a Santa Claus swoon sometime yep. right around Christmas, you know – the go zone is about d20 through you know give it two weeks or so you get this little this little downward move in diesel this week um the most recent data i have from usda is as of november 28 remember they put these out biweekly but uh as of a week ago in iowa farm diesel down 3 cents to $3.37 per gallon and i've got illinois here too oh wow the average price um during the same week down 57 cents Wow. Farm diesel? Yeah, wow. To three dollars thirty. That's a range of three seventeen to three thirty nine. Um, but some significant pressure on farm diesel prices, especially reported by USDA. Now we'll get those numbers updated in a week. Um if it's a normal year, I'm anticipating a, a little bit lower print on both. But let's not get caught out there hanging if, if, if hack it's right and it's gonna get chilly and we're gonna have a crunch for uh for some heating oil. Right. Let's get some diesel booked. Chip.
0: Right. Right. Very good. Very good. All right. Um, (laughs) Let's jump out to the 6 to 10 day. Uh, This is for December 12th through the 16th. Above normal temperatures, Illinois (laughs) and areas to the west. Near normal, Illinois and areas to the east. On the precipitation side, they are expanding the area that is expected to see below normal precipitation and increasing the odds that precipitation will be below normal. We're talking about the entire Corn Belt and a lot of the country there. In the 8 to 14 day, December 14th through the 20th, the above normal temperatures expand to the east and to the south. And the below normal precipitation stays basically right where it is. And we've got uh, expectations of warmer than normal and drier than normal as we get December 14th through the 20th. Hey, come back tomorrow morning. We're going to meet the new CEO of the USB.